When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. That's Timmy Popovich. That's Eric Molhair. Hunter's not with us this week. He's back off to the world of soccer. Boys, the national title is in the books. And after, let's see, what is it, 41 years, the Georgia Bulldogs, Kirby Smart, national champs. Initial thoughts. I mean, I have mine, but uh, Timmy, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I guess we could consider today a type of uh, festivus for you, the airing of grievances <laughs> after Monday night. So I'm sure we'll get some insight from the Alabama perspective from you. But initial thoughts were uh, it was a good game. Uh, wasn't surprised to see Georgia win, but at the same token, I was fully expecting Alabama to come out on top. And it was uh, it was definitely a little... A little surprising to see Georgia get the championship. I would have to agree. Uh, Eric, what's going on with you, man? Uh, how you been? And you got any initial just mind-blowing thoughts about this? Because if I recall, I think you were the only one of us that actually predicted Georgia to win. I believe I was. Uh, I, I don't remember what Hunter said. I think he I think he said I think if he you put the, a gun to his head, he would pick Alabama, but he wouldn't. Yeah, I think he said pick Alabama, but hoping to see Georgia win. Maybe is something kind of was his stance, but. Yeah, my big takeaway from the game is I don't think I've ever watched a college football game with two defenses that are that fast and athletic and aggressive and physical, like on in the same game. You know, I've seen a lot of games where because I've watched a lot of these two teams the last couple of years, and I've seen a lot of so I've seen a lot of games where one defense looks like that. But uh, just I was really really impressed with the two the two defenses, um, and and the type of athletes that each team has on defense is pretty scary. Yeah, I would have to agree with all of that. It really was. Um, it, it was kind of taking off the fan hat here for a second, just objectively looking at it. Like it's kind of refreshing, honestly, because even from an Alabama fan's perspective, like we, like we fans, we used to watch our teams, and we had you know this type of team that had a game manager at quarterback, power running game, an elite defense, and we used to just impose our will for three quarters, and eventually they would just give out, and we would pull away. And like, it's like Kirby Smart took that formula and used it against Saban. And it's really refreshing to see that you can still win a championship with defense, you know, because the last couple of years, it's been Bama's unstoppable offense in uh, 2020 and 2019. It was LSU and Joe Burrow, 60 touchdowns, all that. And you didn't see any of that, man. This is a defensive just grind battle for three quarters. And Georgia just pulled away at the end. So really, uh, really refreshing. But uh, from the fan perspective, I'll uh, save my, my my grievances for here in just a minute. But Timmy, I want to jump into it with you first. Like, I guess looking 
I mean, looking at the numbers a little bit deeper, just like Georgia's offense really didn't do anything spectacular. I mean, 224 yards passing, 140 yards rushing, which 67 of that was on one play. Outside of that, they had 29 carries for about, you know, 70 yards or so. So, I mean, that it just, they, I don't really, they didn't really have to do a whole lot of anything special to beat Alabama. Their defense just stepped up. I mean, do you, do you agree with that? Do you, I mean, what's your thoughts? Well, no, I mean, they, uh, they're they not the type of offense that was going to come out and just flip a switch and all of a sudden be some, you know, high-flying, high-scoring offense. I mean, this is the way that they've played, you know, pretty much all year. They've relied on their defense. Their offense has been opportunistic. You know, occasionally they'll get a big play, you know, get some motivation and some spark from that. But for the most part, you know, Stetson Bennett's a game manager type quarterback. They traditionally run the ball pretty well. You know, they did all of those things in this game. And like you said, the defense is really what carried them. And in my opinion, Bryce Young just, he had some really good plays, but I thought a lot of his throws um, were, I like to call them lollipop throws, you know, just kind of chucking it up there and hoping for the best. And you you can't do that against a, a good defense like Georgia. And, you know, those two turnovers that he had were pretty crucial in the outcome of this game, especially the last one, you know, when you're driving to try to tie it up. So those were the biggest factors for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to crush the kid. I mean, he threw it 57 times, but, right, you know, for 369, one TD. I mean, the difference to me there was Georgia's front seven really made a much bigger difference in this game than they did in the SEC championship. I mean, they did get a fair amount of pressure on Young in that game, but nothing like we saw in this game. I mean, they were they had some guys that were just pitching tents in the backfield. Well, that and they were actually getting home and actually getting him on the ground this time. Would they have like five sacks this Uh, game? Well, let's actually get to it here. Uh, Defensively, uh, yeah, five sacks, seven tackles for a loss. So, yeah, I mean, they they were all over him uh, pretty much all night. And even on a lot of the plays where he might have completed a pass or they got to him at the last minute, he still got drilled a lot. <laughs> like, I mean, he, he was getting pounded a lot. So, it, you know, they really stepped up. And uh, Eric, I mean, do you – did this game go? Because, I mean, everything that you kind of said before this, you know, game on the last podcast kind of just came to fruition. Are you, is there anything like that really just surprised you about this game or did it just kind of go the way you thought it was going to go? He's got the gray sports almanac. Of course, it went exactly how he thought it would go. Well, you should know that. Just from watching um, the SEC championship game and versus how Georgia's played the rest of the year, yeah, I expected to see them come out disguising coverages a little more and disguising pressures and probably be more successful getting pressure, which to me was the biggest difference because in addition to actually getting to the quarterback, I mean, they also forced Alabama to adjust to that. And so you saw a lot of shorter dropbacks, shorter throws, you know, Bryce Young was, was nine and a half yards per attempt in the SEC championship game. And he was, I think just over six this time, right there. He wasn't just standing back there, chucking it deep. You know, part of that is, who he's got to throw to, but the other part of it, he just didn't have time to do that. I mean, he was getting pummeled. Yeah. So, and even when they, even when they didn't blitz, cause they blitzed about the same amount um, percentage wise, but even when it was just a four man rush, 
they did a much better job of generating pressure with four than they did the first time around. And that makes a really big difference when you can get pressure with four and drop that extra guy into coverage to help out your secondary too. A hundred percent. Yes. And Bryce Young, certainly, I mean, he played relatively well, had 369 yards passing. Sure. But Eric, you did touch on who he's got to throw to and watching this game, I was sitting around with my brother and some other people. And when I saw Jameson Williams clutch his knee and go down, <laughs> I was like, we're in trouble. This is not good. If, I mean, he had 60, what? I think he had 60, 65 yards. 60 something, re- yeah, yeah, he had 65 yards receiving early in the second quarter. I mean, he was on pace to have a huge day. So, <laughs> like, you know, he catches a 40-yard ball and goes down. So when that happened, I was like, we're in trouble. And we saw a lot of drops after that. Cameron Latou dropped a touchdown on the goal line. Ajay Hall dropped a ball on about the four-yard line that would have been a big play and a first down, set up maybe a touchdown or something like that. You know, it just he's got a bunch of freshmen out there to throw to. You lose Mechie in the SEC championship. You lose Williams here. I, I kind of felt like that was the dagger for Alabama. I mean, am I – like, I, I don't like to be that guy that's like, oh, well, if we'd have had so-and-so, you know, we'd have won, because you could say that about any team. Well, I mean, he got he got hurt right at the beginning of the second quarter, and then they kicked a field goal to go up 6-3 to three on that drive. So, I mean, through a, through a quarter, they had three points with him in there. It's not, you know, they weren't necessarily tearing it up. You would expect them to be better going forward with him than without him, certainly, but... um I don't know. I, I think the the way the rest of Georgia's defense was playing, I think if they could have continued to roll a safety over on top of him, really, I think their whole their whole mindset was just not get torched deep by him, right? I think they had the approach of, hey, if he catches twelve balls for one hundred and ten yards, fine. We don't want him catching seven for one eighty. You know what I mean? Like, chances are he probably he probably would have made a a, a bit of a difference, but you know, it's kind of the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate to see a guy like that go down in a championship because you don't want anything bad to happen to the kid. You know, I mean, he did just declare for the NFL, um, so he's off to the draft. So hopefully hopefully his draft stock isn't crushed too bad by, you know, his injury and all that kind of stuff. But I, after he went down, I just don't think Alabama had the firepower out wide to stay competitive. Um for four quarters, really, because it, Georgia's not going to let you run the ball. They didn't let Alabama run the ball the first time they played them. You know, Bryce Young torched them through the air with Williams and Mechie. Now you don't have either one of those guys. You still can't run the ball. It's just a it's a bad combo. And like I say, Georgia didn't really have to do anything spectacular. It was a lot like the Texas A&M loss. They didn't do, just light up the scoreboard or anything, but Stetson Bennett, like Zach Calzada, made some just unbelievable throws that were the difference in the game. The, you know, the long touchdown to uh, yeah Mitchell. That was the best throw. That was the best pass anybody threw that night. Right. Yeah. To Mitchell, the long touchdown pass, the forty-yard bomb that really kind of made you know sealed the deal for Georgia. Um, that I mean, that was just an amazing throw with somebody in his face. <laughs> One of the best throws he's made all season, you know, and he made it on the biggest stage. So really impressive. Um, I couldn't, and honestly, like, okay, putting the Alabama uh, fan hat back on for a second, I'm actually really thrilled. Like, obviously, I don't expect us to win the national championship every year. I said before the season that, yeah, if you put a gun to my head, 
I would pick Alabama to go to the playoffs. And at times this year, we've looked like the best team in the country. But at other times, we all know we've looked like shit. We suck. Who are you going to get in a game? Hunter made the point. Like, you don't know which team's going to show up. I don't think the I don't think the bad version of Alabama showed up tonight. I think you know, or not tonight, but um, Monday night. I, I don't think the bad version of us showed up. I think Georgia just showed up and had a better game plan and executed it better. I mean, am I wrong? Yeah. No. I no, you're not wrong. I know that the, the bad version of Alabama didn't show up that night because they lost by fifteen, not thirty. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons. One of the main reasons I I went with Georgia in this game is just because. You know, I, I tried to not read too much into the one game that they played against each other and look at the, the season as a whole. You know, it's like, wow, well, shit, you know, Georgia's played 14 games up to that point and they've looked like the best team in the country in at least 12 of them, right? Maybe 13, depending on how you feel about the Clemson game, I guess. But, you know, and then Alabama, well, they've also played 14 times. They've looked like the best team in the country, like nine or 10, right? They've had some kind of I wouldn't even say that much. I, I wouldn't even say that many. I would say they look like the best. Well, team I mean, in the just country. off the top of my head, yeah, a handful. Right, just like off the top of my head, A and M, LSU, Arkansas, Florida, Auburn. So yeah, yeah I guess like nine, and then yeah, that that yeah, there you go. So it's uh, so I, I, I guess I trusted Georgia to be at their best a little more than I trusted Alabama. Maybe yeah. that is the easier way to say it. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, so. Overall, yeah, I mean, it was a one-score game until the final, you know, minute and a half or so when uh, Young threw the pick six, and that sealed the deal for Georgia. That was a really bad throw. It was. I mean, it was a Hail Mary, just throw it up and see what happens, but I... Well, he's got, I mean, his options are limited at that point. Right, you know what I mean, yeah. you got to cut him a little bit of a break. It's not, he's, he's got to throw down the field, preferably to the sideline. Right. And you get a team, you get a team like Georgia who understands that and the athletes they have, yeah, you're... That's dicey. And that's one thing that, uh, Eric, you may, you talked about it initially, the speed on both defenses, really. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that much team speed on defense on both sides of a college football field in the same game. I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah, it was, it was wild. I loved it. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you did love Alabama losing. No, I mean, just, just watching the defenses, I was just like, uh, I like I said earlier. I've never seen both teams have defenses like that. It was it was it was fun because it was kind of different, I guess. Well, and yeah, like I say, I, you guys know I'm sort of an old school type of dude. I'm more of a three yards and a cloud of dust kind of guy. I, I really enjoy gritty, nasty defensive games like that. I think they're more fun to watch. Most people don't have that sentiment. They like fifty to forty nine. Well, yeah, you got Mr. Over over here <laughs> yeah. talking about who is excited to see two high-speed defenses play, and I'm kind of shocked to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, Mr. Over. Oh, I, you know, I like I like a good under once in a while. I just don't want it to be like Illinois Penn State under. Like I want it to be. Yeah. I want it to be because the defenses are good, not because the offenses are hot garbage. Don't act like you will ever take an under that's less than fifty-two. Uh, I think I have taken something under 52. I'd have to, I'd have over to 76 all day long. <laughs> he did take one of those. Nonetheless, I think the only game you took the under in, by the way, that was less than 52 was Iowa, Iowa state. I'm almost certain that was the game. Yeah. I took that under and I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the only one. 
because the rest the other times it was i'm never taking an under under 52 again <laughs> yeah but anyway oh, those guys <laughs> fucking wake thank you finally i get him to play say some it. defense wake <laughs> oh jesus christ get with the fucking program oh boy oh boy wait for us getting in on the national championship podcast so all right, so uh, before I move into, because we're not going to take up all our you know time talking about this one game. Uh, ultimately, I would say like final thoughts on this game. On this game, I think Georgia clearly was the better team. They proved it in every way possible in this game. I mean, it was a close game for three quarters, but ultimately Georgia pulled away. And I mean, Nick Saban said it at um, midfield to Kirby Smart after the game. Uh, they you know, the cameras were on him and he said, you guys kicked our asses in the fourth quarter. And that's, that's what it looked like to me. I mean, they come with the fourth quarter, they ran it right down Alabama's throat. We could not stop them. And ultimately they just, they just got it done, man. So massive congratulations to, you know, the university of Georgia and Kirby smart. And, you know, I'm, I'm a smart guy. I mean, he coached at Bama for 10 years. So it's hard for me to like be mad that he won a title. Like, I I felt like I knew he would. I mean, they've been a juggernaut since he got there. He's finally got a title. The drought's over. Braves win the World Series. Georgia wins the Natty. Good year for Georgia sports fans. Does anybody else have any final thoughts on this game before I move forward? I have a question. Oh, okay. What's your question? Re- really, I just I want to get see what you guys think. Is there any way we can get a better officiating crew for the national championship game? They were an ACC like, crew, weren't they? I, I, they were, and I was. That's what I was going to say. Is I, I kind of feel bad for you, being a VT guy, having to watch ACC referees all season next year. If this is the best that that conference can provide, because yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if it's conference wide, but this crew specifically, I agree with you. Well, they, they were shaking. I, they really just, bad calls and some bad non calls. Yeah, the non calls I mean, were really the ones that I noticed more. Um, I didn't necessarily have a problem with some of the calls. They were like the calls were questionable, absolutely, and, and some of the big ones we're talking about, like the uh, the two the two fump, the one fumble call by you know Bryce Young. It's actually an incomplete cap pass because his arms going forward. I feel like I feel like that call could have went either yeah, way. I didn't like that one. Yeah, either. it could have went either way. I feel like the way they ruled it, you know, like was correct like they did rule it a fumble so i feel like that was the definitely the the correct thing to do because if they rule it an incomplete pass you know that's it's just not bad so i felt like they did a good job with the way they ruled things but they may not have always gotten the calls correct you know and one went against georgia in a very similar fashion with stetson bennett and a fumble and the guy recovers it on the sideline it just but the non-calls were what i had an issue with Right. And that's what I didn't have a problem with the call. My, I guess the issue I had with them is they only called something that they had. It, it felt like they only called it if they had no other choice. Like there was holding all over the field the entire game. I'm surprised neither team really ran the ball that effectively because both lines were holding quite a bit. Um, I guess the only thing you can say in that, uh, you know, defense, if you will, is at least they were consistent with it. You know what I mean? I, the the one thing that drives me nuts about an officiating crew is when, you know, you see one team get called for something and then the other team does the exact same thing and it, you know, they don't throw a flag for it. So 
Yeah. Sounds just, like they got together before the game and were like, hey, we're we're going to let these dudes play a little bit of ball and we're not going to, you know, call X, Y, or Z. Uh, maybe so. But it's just, just about every replay I saw, no matter who had the ball, it's like, man, that's, that's a hold right in front of him. Like, how does he not call him? Maybe I'm just used to, to referees calling every last little thing. But um, And then the two quarterback plays I thought were weird just because they, they I guess they didn't look different enough to me to where they would be ruled differently. Like they look like this basically the same play. So I was surprised they ruled in two different directions, but um, I, I am, I guess I am glad that they didn't appear to have made any calls that really swung the game either way. But I just thought it was maybe not their best effort is all. Yeah. I would have to agree with pretty much of all, all of that. The holding was the biggest thing. I mean, it, it, <laughs> there were some non calls on both sides really, but you know, I, I mean, with my with my fan goggles on during the game, I'm more focused on what we're trying to do on offense. And I see, you know, like Bryce Young, I mean, he's got guys in his face and I don't happen to notice the holding. But when it's the other way around and we're on defense and we've got guys all in Bennett's face and a lineman has his whole arm wrapped around our guy's neck, I'm going, what the fuck? Like, why is he not calling that? So perhaps it was happening on both sides. I didn't happen to notice it on the other side because I just wasn't looking for it. So I the the ones I noticed that I thought were more egregious non calls were when Georgia had the ball. I will say that. Like in defensive your your Homer hat. Like the the Bowers touchdown. The I was like, you're really gonna let the receiver holes like that? I mean, honestly, and the guy probably doesn't tackle Bowers inside the five. He probably powers through and gets in the end zone anyways, maybe. But I don't know. I just oh, and the spots. Did you guys notice the spots? I did. They were uh, questionable at best. At, at okay, at, it, at times in the game. Like I guess I don't want to say they're questionable. It just surprised me that like they didn't review like where the ball should be spotted a couple of times. You know, it just, it looked funny to me. Yeah. I don't know. Depending on, I guess whoever the side judge was on the, uh, would have been the bottom of your screen. If you were watching at home, it seemed like every time he spotted the ball, like the offense got a, an extra two feet. <laughs> yeah. Like without fail. I'm serious. Like, I'm not sure. Like you see a guy and he's, the ball is like, he's tackled, right? He's down, he's on the ground. And like the ball is short of, a a five yard increment line and then they go to the next play and it's like a full football length past that line it's like where's this guy putting the ball like oh so i don't know i just i thought it was weird but again i i don't think it necessarily uh impacted the outcome which is good because i i do dislike when referees are kind of the the center of the show and it, it hinges on them yeah i'm i'm glad that the the refs didn't cost anybody the game i, I will uh, agree with that but i will go out on a limb and just say that the game overall was poorly officiated and i don't think that crew will be back at another national championship that's just my humble well opinion. cross our fingers because they might not have cost anyone this game but they they seem to certainly have the potential absolutely going forward all right well before I move forward, I'm going to take just a second and tell our listeners about our corporate sponsor, since we've got our token hockey fan on this podcast, uh, Timmy, Woo-hoo. Big Pins fan. Uh, by the way, uh, what's their record now? Have they won like fucking 30 games in a row or something? 
Uh, I think they got up to 10 in a row, and then uh, they dropped a couple games on a road trip, but they got back up to snuff. They got Gino Malkin back in the mix. He lit up the lamp a bunch the other night, so uh, they're back to rolling. Look out. Nice. That's what I'm talking about. Well, if they ever came on TV down here, I'd watch the shit out of them, but they don't. So... But anyway, back to our corporate sponsor, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Hockey League. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. There's no ties in uh, hockey anymore. They got rid of those like 20 years ago. So if Sportsbook isn't available in your state, that is not an issue. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Hockey League. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so now that uh, we've got, now Timmy, you've got uh, an end-of-season superlatives kind of uh, work in the works, I guess, going on over there that we will cover over the next couple of weeks, is that correct? Yep. It'll be, uh, you know, an end of year South End Zone podcast award show, if you will, in our own flavor. Oh, my God. We we got that scheduled for next week, man. I can't wait. Yeah. I'll title the awards appropriately and give you the criteria, and then we'll all submit our winners. Oh, my God. I can't wait for that. I'm not going to get any good awards there. Yikes. I'm going to have to go back and listen to all these episodes so I can have a good good feel for who deserves what award once you announce them so so do we have do we have categories like the what our our thanksgiving group chat devolved to like coach most likely to eat four pounds of turkey at one sitting (laughs) there there may be a few of that genre but i'm not going to spoil it for you guys too far ahead of time i'd like to be mostly reactionary with it so because yeah, no chance anybody out eats brett belima <laughs> no no none no. you're counting out leech brother <laughs> leech is done belima that guy's all business but uh all right so before we close this show out and get ready for our end of season superlatives and award show i'm going to espn Uh, of course, every year puts out a way too early top 25 for next season. So they usually do that in like week nine of the season, don't they? (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. The the way too early top 25. Of course, it is way too fucking early, but it was out the next day. And some of it coincided with the Vegas odds for next season, um, the national champion, you know, odds next year. So uh, starting off at the top, Alabama is number one. Uh, they are a five to two, you know, in Vegas, you know, their odds is five to two to win the national championship. So pretty much they got 13, 14 starters coming back. Young's back. Uh, Will Anderson's back. In my opinion, they're probably the two best players in football. So, you know, no issue there. Does anybody have a qualm with that? To think 
Ohio State or anybody should be, or maybe Georgia should be higher? No, I think Alabama yeah, I mean, next year, just because they have so many guys coming back, I think they're going to be a total nightmare. Yeah. Would, yeah, they're, they're the token t- way too early top 25 number one pick if, you know. Doesn't matter if you know anything about college football. If you throw them at the top, nobody's going to question you. Right. So number two, Ohio State. I don't dislike that. Uh, I think the Buckeyes are going to be pretty damn good next year. They've got something about the same, like thirteen starters or so coming back. They do lose a couple of their big dog wide receivers. You know, Wilson and Alave. They're gone. You know, some defensive linemen. Haskell Garrett's gone. You know, guys like that. But. Ultimately, we know they recruit just ridiculous, and they'll have plenty of talent. So, should be interesting. I got no issue with them at two. Anybody else have an issue? Nah, not particularly. Me nope. either. No, they also have a lot of guys coming back, and they made a couple of really good hires, I think, on the defensive side, coaching staff. So, I would expect them to be better there next year, because that's probably what kept them out of the playoff. But uh, Playoffs? Don't talk about Playoffs? All right. Well, and then three, I'm going to go through these a little bit faster because these, I feel like you can just kind of start to blur them together. Like these three teams right here, I feel like next year you could just <laughs> kind of roll the dice uh, with Georgia being number three. That I feel like that is for next season, they're kind of one of the top three in the top tier. Okay. Like Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, that's your top tier teams. And you could put them in any order you want, I guess. So I don't. Does anybody disagree with that? With Georgia's level of talent? No, I mean they just won the national championship. <laughs> I don't know how you how much further down you can put them. You stick them at one. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad. So, all right. So these next few here, Texas A and M at four. Eh. Kidding me? You kidding me? <laughs> That's a, eight and four this year. Four and four in the conference. Still don't know who their quarterback's going to be. It's going to be uh, the kid from LSU, isn't it? Max Johnson. Well, if you're telling me did, that... Isn't that... Isn't that... Did he... He did transfer there, but if you're telling me that he's the starter, then they're not my number four team. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. You you can put a three in front of that number four. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he transferred there to sit on the bench. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, and no, I don't, I don't buy them at four. I think they're another year away. I know that they brought in a big recruiting class, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks once once that's all finalized. But how many of those guys are going to play next year and play well and make that the number four team in the country? I'm out on them. Yep, I would have to agree. They did they did sign the number one pocket passer in the ESPN 300. You know, so he'll battle uh, Johnson and probably Haynes King, I assume, if he's healthy. So, um, should be interesting to watch. Number five, Harbaugh, coming in. <laughs> coming in hot. Number <laughs> number five. Oh, boy, this is, this is just setting up for massive, epic biff. Just fail. Like, he's got preseason hype. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this works in his favor, you know. I, I think it worked in his favor this year when everybody was doubting him. Yes. And, you know. And he, yeah, they were. He didn't have very mu- much expectation. No, they weren't even and, ranked you know, before the season. I was gonna say, was were they even ranked in the preseason? No, 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 no. Okay, yeah, that only team to ever make the playoffs by not being ranked in preseason. So, oh yeah, God. this is the scenario where if they start the season ranked at five, you know, they come out and they they choke one off non-conference <laughs> like in week two yeah. and just fucking go in the dumpster. 
Yep, I would have to agree. Yeah, I'm uh, out on that one, too. Yeah, I'm out there. So, uh, next, we've got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, which I'm really not all that mad about. 11-2 and two this year. They're bringing back like 14 starters. They are going to lose Jack Cohn. So, really, I feel like they're kind of where they always are. Uh, they're a quarterback away from being a really fucking good team. <laughs> like, so, put them at number six. I... <laughs> I'm not mad about it. No, I mean, you could probably sell me on it, but, you know, you also got to take into consideration not just the players that they're going to lose after this year, but, you know, Brian Kelly's gone. So, you know, it's a new scheme across the board from the coaching philosophy standpoint. So who knows how Marcus Freeman's going to do. I I like the guy personally. I think he's a good coach, but um, I don't think he acquitted himself very well in the bowl game. So... Uh, there's there's still stuff to be seen with them, in my opinion. Well, they only lost because uh, I bet on them. So, uh, you know, Gundy. Gundy, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, Gundy. He's going to screw me regardless. So, yeah, uh, I would have to agree. And based on what I've seen from uh, Brian Kelly's recent recruiting videos and his fake Southern accent, I'm not sure that uh, Marcus Freeman's not an upgrade. <laughs> so, we'll, yeah, exactly. we'll, we'll see. Uh, at numbers, pretty sure the players like him a little bit better. <laughs> at number seven, the Utah, the Utes, man, Utah. They uh, ten and four this year. Barely lost the Rose Bowl to uh, Ohio State. We all saw that game. Great game for them. I don't know. I think they'll be pretty heavily favored to win the Pac-12 with Oregon losing Cristobal. So should be interesting, man. Lincoln Riley coming out west. See how he does in his first year. I don't know, man. I feel like. This is going to be like one of those years like that the Pac-12 might actually be a little bit exciting to watch. Am I wrong? This conversation's going nowhere. Eh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> you know, there might there might be two teams that are, you know, competitive and and fun to watch and Utah will probably be one of them, but I don't I wouldn't go as far to say the whole conference is going to be something to watch cuz <laughs> nah. You must think I'm dumb. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was I should bump the brakes a little bit there. Now, uh boys, this next one's got me scratching my head here. Um number 8 NC State. Next. No. <laughs> not Pittsburgh, not Wake Forest, NC State. Yeah, I don't get that one. 18 starters coming back. That's, you know, that's good. 9 and 3 this year, but number fucking 8 in the country? Like if you're number 8, you're supposed to be crushing no. people on the regular. <laughs> They're they're setting NC State up to be this year's North Carolina Tar Heels. All right? Yes, <laughs> they're doing yes. them boys a disservice because um, we all saw how Mac Brown's season turned out after he got all the hype. We suck. North Carolina recruits a hell of a lot better than NC State does, so I, I don't understand this one at all. Yeah, they didn't even win their side of the conference. They're not even giving Wake Forest that love in the ACC. They're they're giving the Wolfpack the love, and I don't buy it. If I'm Wake, I'm feeling extremely disrespected right now. If I'm Clemson, I'm feeling extremely disrespected Because, I mean, didn't Wake just, like, demolish Rutgers in the bowl game? Just smushed them? Yeah, and that was going to be... Yeah, but it's Rutgers. I get that it's Rutgers, but, fuck, I mean, like, well, whatever. Anyway, these guys suck. We're moving on. (laughs) Like, yeah, they're not the best team in the ACC. I, I I know that much. Yeah, no. I ain't trying to hear that argument. Like, you don't even have Clemson in the fucking top 10. Okay. All right. We'll see. I'm still on the Clemson train. I'm still on it. I'm not getting off just yet. Uh, Number nine, Gundy, Oklahoma State. Uh, so what? Like, 
Oklahoma getting absolutely no love for the top ten. Yeah, but I don't I don't know how in this type of, you know, early preseason rankings you could throw them in there considering Caleb Williams is There's in the portal. Yeah, a lot of unknowns with them. Yeah. And Dr. Thunder's, you know, playing in South CAC next year. <laughs> right. And their coach is sipping Mai Tais with sunglasses on in fucking Southern California. So I don't know about, you know, Gundy and, and them boys being up that high. They'll probably be one of the better teams in the Big 12, but I don't still think that's top 10 worthy. Yeah, I would have to agree. But Oklahoma State, I ain't trying to hear the argument that they're preseason number nine. I mean, that they went 12-2 and two this year. Should have won the fucking Big 12, but didn't. Choked it off from first and goal from the four. But uh, nonetheless, good year for them. But I mm, flash in the pan. I'm not buying it. They suck. We suck. Number 10, Michigan State. I, mm, I feel like this is a similar situation to Harbaugh and NC State. Like preseason hype is not what they want. <laughs> like, uh, well, not only that, but a large portion of their success last year was built on Kenneth Walker, and he's not going to be around next year. So, no. I, I don't know what kind of team they got coming in, you know, next year. But yeah, I think this one might be a little overhyped as well. Yeah, I mean, if they come out with like a ten win total from Vegas, I'm, I'm just hammering the under. Just I'll hammer the shit. Yeah, out I agree it. with that. Uh, Eleven, Clemson. Twelve, Oregon. I ain't got no problems with those. Yeah. I mean, those are kind of, you know, I think that's, you put Clemson right outside the top 10 after a 10 and three year. I get that. I got no issue there. They're still massively talented. So yeah, I will, I will be shocked if Clemson finishes next season outside the top six. Well, Ooh, young is going to have to play better. He threw more picks than touchdowns this year. So, well, it'll be interesting to see what kind of development he can get with a new staff in there now. You know, not to say that Tony Elliott was a bad offensive coordinator, but you know, maybe a breath of fresh air will do good for the kid. Maybe so, and he may get pushed by you know somebody like a freshman or God knows. I mean, you know, uh, Dabo ain't scared to stick a freshman in if he knows he can win. So, nope. <laughs> like, the, the guy's going to have to play good or somebody else is going to be taking the fucking snaps. So, and then yeah, Oregon at they, 12, they just, what were you going to say, Eric? Oh, I was just going to say they signed the one of the top quarterbacks in this, this class, a uh, kid from Texas who apparently is like a Texas high school football legend. Yeah, like uh, uh, Club, Club Nick, I think, is that guy's name? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but, um, yeah, he's apparently like the cat's pajamas. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe he's good enough to... That's part of the problem is they didn't have anyone really to push him. Yeah, no, they didn't. I mean, that I've said it a few times. I mean, Dabo doesn't take transfers. So I feel like he's got to get on board there. They're going to get left behind. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I don't but You know, and so they didn't even have the option to like put someone else in, really. No. When, even when he struggled or when he got hurt. Like he's playing the whole second half of the season with a brace on his knee and a splint on his right index finger. And so maybe just having that guy. Yeah, maybe you're just a little a year early in your preseason Heisman pick. That's all. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> maybe so. Probably that's got to go down in the awards next week. I'm sure Timmy will have an award for that. Um, and then 13 and 14, you've got Houston and Wake Forest. So Houston got about 13 starters coming back. Wake Forest has got like 15 or 16 coming back. So 
Cincinnati getting disrespected. Getting no respect. Desmond Ritter. Oh, they're losing. They're losing everybody. Yeah, though. that's what I was gonna say. Desmond Ritter. He's he's gone. So they've got them down at nineteen. I'll get to them in a second. So, um, but yeah, I don't. I really. I mean, I don't have a problem with either one of these. I'm. I guess they're just expecting Pitt to just fall off a cliff. I mean, I like they won the ACC this year, and they're like I'm. I'm at uh, nineteen. And I still don't see them. So that's twenty twenty one. They're not even in the preseason top twenty five. Literally, everybody knows their season was ride or die with Kenny Pickett, and he's gone. You know they got Keaton Slovis coming in, but he wasn't exactly lighting the, the world on fire over at USC either. So they they have a lot of question marks, and I don't know that I'd have them anywhere up here. Uh, Houston, I have no issue with. You know they are uh, losing a you know several key starters, but they do have some decent guys coming in from the transfer portal. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, like I say, their quarterbacks back, their running back. I mean, they, they're going to be good again next year. So, you know, I don't know if they'll go 12 and two again, but, uh, and beat an sec team in a bowl game, but we'll see wake forest. Like I said, at 14, no issues there. Their quarterbacks back. So I, I don't know. I think they'll Dave Clawson. He'll, uh, I think he'll have them, being pretty competitive again next year and i'm hoping they'll come out with another like six or seven win total so timmy can take the under and me and eric can ride that over and get our paydays again wait for it <laughs> timmy's already wait on, for it, he says. he's already on the under wait for it seven and a half he's under under right. uh 15 iowa uh that's got to be just iowa's defense no <laughs> that's got to be just no. iowa's defense is number 15 right because their offense is like number 75 Oh, it's partly their defense and partly it's partly their conference schedule, I would think, because Big Ten West has some some pretty uh, it's got some lightweights in there. Agree. Uh, So I think I think they're going to get some bonus points for that. Nebraska being one of the lightweights, which, man, I can't wait to cover Nebraska here in a couple of weeks and like just go down their schedule and look at how many teams they lost to by one touchdown or less. Like, yeah, how many how many really good teams they lost to? <laughs> like it's way. fucking amazing. I can't believe it's like every team they lost to, they lost to by seven or less. It was like wow, really amazing. So, uh, and then sixteen Baylor. I feel like this is one of those another one of those teams. They're going to come out really overhyped, and I'm going to pound the under. I mean, am I wrong? Am I crazy? Yeah, it's tough to say with Baylor. I'm not sure who they've got coming back or who they're losing right offhand. I could see them being well. I can put it to you this way: they've got seven starters coming back total. Total? Yeah, that's way too high then. (laughs) Yeah, I would. uh, Currently, seven starters coming back, expected to return anyway. Seventeen, Oklahoma. They're getting gutted. They're losing a ton of guys, not only to transfer portals and other things. Head coach is gone. I I don't know. Oklahoma, you might as well just roll the dice. We'll see. Coming in at 18, BYU and 19, Cincinnati. Cincinnati getting no respect, like you said. So a couple of future Big 12 teams here. And then 20, I thought this one was like a little bit, like I think this is just right. Arkansas at 20. Like Pittman finishes the season 9-4, and four, bringing back 9 or 10 guys from this year's team. Like I've... I feel like that's a good spot for them, but they could be sneaky good next year. I think they could also be sneaky bad. 
<laughs> he's mm. on the under. <laughs> oh no, not riding Pittman. I think they'll probably finish somewhere in the fifteen to twenty range, and I would expect some, you know, another eight and four, nine and three type regular season, maybe a bowl win. But I don't know that I see them going much further than that. I don't know. I, I, I agree. I think that's a pretty good spot. Yeah, and then at twenty one, I think these guys are a little bit underrated. Kentucky at twenty one went ten and three this year, five and three in the conference. I don't know, man. I feel like they're you know most of their really key guys are coming back. So I mean they're bringing back like fifteen starters from this year's team, a ten win team, and you got them at twenty one. I don't know. Their schedule might be tough. I haven't looked at it, but we'll get to that. You know, in the preseason predictions and stuff like that. But man. Stoops accepts a contract to stay there. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like they could uh, surprise some people next year. Wouldn't shock me if they challenged for the East next year. Yeah, that, that feels low for them. I'm not sure. And then uh, here's the, I guess, the second head scratcher that I've noticed. Um, four and eight USC at 22. Like, you're, no, like nope. you're going to put Kentucky one spot above USC? What the actual nope. fuck am I looking at? Lincoln Riley ain't turning them around that fast. I mean, maybe he does, but Jesus Christ. Like, I, they have, I would no, guess that they're generating they have these. no business being ranked. <laughs> like, none. No, absolutely what not. What the fuck? I would guess whoever is generating these is, is doing so under the assumption that Caleb Williams is going to transfer there. Even if he does. Does that make them a top 25 team right out of the gate? Right out of the no. gate? No. No. But, I mean, if you say, okay, USC now has Lincoln Riley calling plays and Caleb Williams executing them at the quarterback position, and they're playing in the Pac-12, um, yeah, I could see where you would expect them right out of the gate to win eight games. Oh, boy. And you go eight and four, you probably are going to end up in, in the, the kind of the tail end of the top 25. That. It wouldn't surprise me, but no, I wouldn't assume right now that a team that just finished four and eight and had just embarrassing losses all over the place is going to be like, mm, yeah, would you say 21? 22. Yeah, they're, 22? Smacked, they're smacked right between Kentucky and Ole Miss. Give me a fucking no. break. Nope. Timmy, over or under? Under. under. <laughs> Agree. And then Ole Miss at 23. I think that's probably a good spot for them. They went 10-3 and three this year, lost the uh, Sugar Bowl. But overall, 6-2 and two in the SEC. I mean, they lost to, you know, one of their losses was to Alabama. I mean, that, they had a great year, but they are losing some major talent. You know, Corral's gone. Hey, word on the street is, is Kiffin's going to Eric's Minnesota Vikings. Well. Oh, no. He's not. <laughs> I can I can almost <laughs> promise you that. Oh, that's a. I'm rooting I for it. Too. God, that would be. Oh man, we could we would have to start another podcast just about the Vikings at that point. Um, and then last but not least, the last two teams, uh, Wisconsin sneaking in at 24. I think that's fine. Nine and four this year. They had a horrendous start, and then you know had a really good finish to the season. They're going to have to figure out an answer at quarterback. Like, Graham Mertz, he sucks. I don't – I got nothing. They're bringing – If he's the answer, they need to find new questions. <laughs> Agree. So, and then last but not least, Timmy's boy, Beamer. Beamer ball. He's in there at 25. Too low. Too low. <laughs> Too low. Timmy's on that over. I mean, serious, seriously, Timmy's though. on that over five and a half next year, 100%. We finally found an over for him. <laughs> 
I would have them, you know, like 2021, 20, something like that. I mean, you're going to put Dr. Thunder on a team that nobody thought could do shit that, you know, won seven games this year. I don't know, man. Yeah, I would have to agree. Pretty interesting. So uh, for any of you wondering, Mark Schleyball is who uh, wrote that for ESPN. So put him on blast. Uh, your top 25 is utterly weak, and we disagree with that yeah. respectfully. In, in, in fairness to Mark Schleyboff, who who I think is very good, uh, everyone's way too early top 25 is weak. But not not just him specifically. We'll have to do a, trash. We'll have to do a to, a South End Zone podcast preseason top twenty five. It's coming. It's got to come this off season. We didn't do it this past year. We got to put it together this year. We got to up our game. We can we can put yeah we can put together a way too early. You're talking about like when the season's about to start or like now. Uh, I would say like we when, can put when it together. Else is doing it. We can put it together before media days think that's fair that's still a way too early i mean media days is july so oh yeah we can do that because we'll already be doing season previews by july oh yeah 100 percent. so why not we'll just throw that out there yeah we'll come up with it it'll be good all right well uh outside of that boys do you have any closing thoughts because i mean realistically like you said we're going to do our end of season superlatives and awards but uh does anybody else have any thoughts on or I guess I, I should say grievances or any kind of disclaimers before the awards are announced. No, I'm just looking forward to the. I'm just looking forward to them. Uh, Timmy mm. Bird brings some heat category wise. Yeah, just wait for it. <laughs> oh God. Well, I think that is going to wrap us up for this week. Uh, you guys can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. Same on Instagram. We are part of the Pigskin Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, so we'd like to thank them. And we will be back with you next week, and I think it's just going to be one week, right, Timmy? The uh, the end-of-season superlatives and award show, that's just one week? That's not a two-part deal? Yeah, we'll be able to get through everything in All a right. week. Sounds good. Well, we'll be back with you next week for our end-of-season award show and roasts, and we will see you then. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Have a great day.